The Gospel of Jesus Christ, my brothers and sisters, is extremely powerful. It has the power to change the greatest sinner into the greatest saint. It has the power to bring hope to those who are on the verge of despair. It has the power to destroy falsehood with truth. It has the power to diffuse hatred with love. It has the power to address the deepest longings of the human heart. The Gospel of Jesus Christ has the power to do all of these things and much more. Which is precisely why a lot of people fear it and hate it so much. Now this fear, this hatred, is nothing new. It goes back to the very earliest days of the Church. As we heard a few moments ago in our first reading from the book of Acts, chapter 13, there we were told about Paul and Barnabas. One Sabbath, they went into the synagogue of Antioch and they began to preach the gospel message with power, with conviction, with great effectiveness. And people were there in large numbers and they were listening. They were paying attention to what they heard. And how did the enemies of the apostles respond to this message that they were giving, this message of truth, this message of hope, this message of love? It says, they were filled with jealousy and with violent abuse contradicted what Paul said. Violent abuse. It sounds like what the New York Times typically hurls at the Catholic Church on its editorial pages, does it not? It's definitely what the Times and other secular news outlets have been hurling at our Holy Father, Pope Benedict XVI, in recent weeks, which is what I want to talk about for a few moments this morning. I mention the New York Times, incidentally, because most other newspapers in this country follow the lead of the Times. What the Times reports on, they report on. In fact, most other major media outlets in this country follow the lead of the New York Times, for better or for worse. And in this case, it's for worse. First of all, let me say that this topic is not something which is pleasant to preach about, and I suspect it's not pleasant to hear about. But I think the subject needs to be dealt with, because our Holy Father is being accused publicly of doing some terrible things that he has not done. And we need to be clear about it. We need to know the truth. The background of these accusations has been the recent revelations of priestly sexual abuse in Ireland and other places in Europe, and the gross mishandling of some of these cases by certain bishops and religious superiors. Now, for his part, Pope Benedict has been very clear in his condemnation of these evil acts and in his support for the victims. In doing this, he has acted like the strong and loving spiritual father that he is. We should praise God we have this Pope. He is an incredible man. 
a man of integrity, a man of great holiness. But you see, what the Pope has been doing to the Church's enemies, it's not enough. Consequently, what they have done is they have twisted the facts about certain cases. The most noteworthy concerning an abusive priest in the Archdiocese of Munich and an abusive priest in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. They've twisted facts to make it appear that during the years when he was a bishop in Munich and later the head of the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith in Rome, they want to make it appear that Benedict either ignored the crimes of abusers or approved of them remaining in active ministry. Both of those accusations are categorically false. Now, I won't get into all the details of these two cases. There's no time to do that in a Sunday homily. But I will say this. If you are interested in the truth of what happened and why, go to the website of the Catholic League, the Catholic League for Religious and Civil Rights. In fact, I'll put the link to that website on my blog when I post this homily later today. And read some of Dr. Bill Donahue's recent news releases. They're very brief, most of them are anyway, and they are very enlightening. They give you a lot of facts that most people in the mainstream media conveniently leave out of their news reports. Speaking of Dr. Donahue, one of the points that he has made over and over again on TV when he's interviewed, and he's interviewed a lot, he's made this point in many of his writings as well. He has said, this attack on the Holy Father is not a coincidence. It is not by accident. It's done for a very definite purpose. To discredit the Church's teaching, especially in matters of personal morality. That's the purpose of it all. As George Weigel said in a recent column that he wrote, the enemies of the Church have seen an opportunity to discredit Catholic moral teaching by painting the Church as a hypocritical criminal conspiracy of sexual abusers and their enablers. The logic that the enemies of the Church want people to embrace in their minds is very simple, my friends. The Church is run by a lot of evil men. Therefore, what the Church teaches must be wrong. So don't believe it. And certainly don't live it. Another way to look at it is this. The enemies of the Church who actively support things like, you know the list, abortion, same-sex marriage, so-called same-sex marriage, gay marriage, contraception, euthanasia, and the like. These enemies of the Church who cannot defend their views on purely rational grounds, try to make the case for what they believe by attacking those of us who oppose their ideas. In other words, since they cannot discredit the gospel message directly through sound, rational, intellectual argument, they try to discredit the message indirectly by discrediting the messengers the Pope, the bishops, priests, and even lay people who support church teaching. You are not immune from attacks as well. 
What happened to Paul and to Barnabas 2,000 years ago in that synagogue of Antioch happens in our own culture today, although in a slightly different form. Let me conclude this morning by giving you a few insights, a few insights that can help you to keep all of this quote-unquote news in proper perspective. Here again I will quote George Weigel. The sexual abuse of the young is a global plague. A global plague. It is everywhere. Portraying the Catholic Church as its epicenter is malicious and false. 40 to 60% of all sexual abuse takes place within families. Did you realize that? Many people do not. As Weigel says here, 40 to 60% of it takes place within families. An uncle, a sibling, a parent, whomever. Here's something else Weigel mentions that you probably are not aware of. There were 290,000, you heard me correctly, 290,000 reported cases of abuse in public schools from 1991 to 2000. That's reported cases. How many went unreported? I don't know what the stats are for the 2000s, but I suspect they are about the same. And by the way, I did the math. If each school year is 180 days, that means there were, on average, 161 acts of abuse in public schools in the United States of America each and every school day during the 1990s. This is why Carol Shakeshaft She's the Virginia Commonwealth University professor who studied this issue for the government several years ago. This is why Carol Shakeshaft said, and here I quote, the physical abuse of students in schools is likely more than 100 times the abuse by priests. Now that means, logically, that we should hear at least 100 times as many stories about it in the daily news. But we don't, do we? So don't tell me that they're interested out there in the media and in the press with protecting young people. They are not. They are not. If they were, they'd be publicizing all of this stuff. It's designed to get the church, to discredit her. Something else to keep in mind as you hear these reports about the Holy Father and the Catholic Church. Realize that there are many, many, many other similar stories involving people from other groups that are being totally ignored, besides those involving teachers. I'll give you two examples. Three weeks ago, as the New York Times was bashing Pope Benedict all over its pages, the editorial page, the front page, everywhere, as they were doing that, an Orthodox rabbi in New York City named Leibovitz was convicted on eight counts of molesting a Brooklyn boy. A few days later, a rabbi was arrested in Arizona for raping a seven-year-old girl in New York ten years ago. The New York Times ignored both stories. 
I guess they didn't have room. When you run eight, ten articles bashing Benedict every day, I guess you don't have much room for anything else. Finally, my brothers and sisters, here is something else that the entire liberal media conveniently ignores in its current reporting about the church. In 2009, last year, here in the United States, in the church in the United States, there were only six credible cases of the sexual abuse of minors. Six. In a church consisting of roughly 68 million people. Now, to be sure, even one act of abuse is too much, is too many. But this does offer some perspective, does it not? It certainly provides an important message about the effectiveness of the programs that most bishops have put into effect in recent years. As George Weigel said, and here again I quote, having learned the lessons of 2002, the Catholic Church in America today is likely the safest environment for children in the country. No institution working with the young, not the public schools, not the teachers' unions, not the scouts, has done as much to face its past failures in this area and to put into place policies to prevent such horrors in the future. The fact is, my brothers and sisters, there is currently no sex abuse crisis in the Catholic Church here in the United States. It might be going on in the Church in other countries. True. But here, thankfully, it's been dealt with. And things have been put into place to see to it that if it does happen in a given instance, it's dealt with very quickly. You should see what people in our diocese have to go through. They want to work with the young. Some of you are Steubenville volunteers who come on the youth conference every year, chaperones. You know, you have background checks, you have all kinds of things you have to go through before you're allowed to work with the young. And that's good. It's the way it should be. Why aren't they doing it in public schools? See, as Catholics, my brothers and sisters, we should never fear the truth, the real truth, the whole truth. Jesus Christ had a Judas among his first 12 priests, sad to say. And the truth of the matter is, there have been Judases in the priesthood ever since. And I'm sorry to say, there will probably be Judases in the priesthood until Jesus comes again at the end of time. Some, anyway. And there have been many Judases among the laity as well. Think, for example, of those lay professors in Catholic universities who teach things contrary to the faith and who corrupt the minds of our young people. That's why some young people go into Catholic college a believer, believers, strong believers, and they come out atheists. Those professors are Judases too. But in the midst of all of this, praise God, there are many other clerics and lay people, the vast majority, who are doing God's work faithfully and leading many people to salvation in Christ. Today at this Mass, let us pray in a sincere way, in a heartfelt way, for all the victims of sexual abuse. The victims in families, the victims in schools, the victims in religious institutions, the victims in the wider culture. May God give those victims the special grace they need to heal 
and the special grace they need to forgive. And let's pray also at this Mass for ourselves and for one another, that we will be among those faithful priests and lay people in the Church who witness to the powerful Gospel of Jesus Christ by what we say, and even more importantly, by what we do.